Hi, Michael Smith. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. <clears throat> so here we are. We um, started talking about this crazy concept of doing a podcast probably about a year ago. And then uh, for some reason, we've been running this business and got a little sidetracked into doing this. So I think it's uh, finally time to sit down and start our first podcast. So <clears throat> I thought uh, we're, we're going to try to do this on a more routine basis with basically people in our industry. I don't know of anybody else in our industry that's doing this kind of forum for communication of um, right. different things that's going on in our industry and kind of what's happening. <clears throat> so I thought this was a good opportunity to sit down and um, we'll have guests, you know, probably pretty routinely in the course of probably one a month, um, maybe more frequently if the time arises. <clears throat> and um as you know, I happened to be in Springfield this week, and I thought, who better to sit down and have a chat with than uh, <laughs> my business partner and friend, um, the COO of Next Level Solutions, than one Mr. Michael Smith. Yeah, thank you. So <clears throat> we'll see. It'll either go remarkably well or horribly bad, is my <laughs> prediction. So No metal road. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, so let's see how this goes. So... For those that don't know, um, our main office is here in beautiful, scenic Springfield, Missouri. Um, as of today, we have upwards of about 150 people in our operation, and probably about half of them sit here in the Springfield office. Um, I think it's obviously for a couple of different reasons. Um, you know, the, obviously the software that we implement once had a pretty good size operation here, and still does to a certain degree. Um, and it's obviously where you're from and uh, where you grew up. So talk to me a little bit about uh, how you got here and uh, where you grew up. I think you probably live pretty close to... Not too far. Not too far from where uh, you were born and raised, would be my guess. Yeah. So I grew up in a small town about 30 minutes from Springfield. Um, family is all from there. Um, went to high school there. And then kind of stuck around pretty close. Went to... Um, OTC here in Springfield for a couple of years, got a associate's degree there, um, and then migrated over to Missouri State, um, finished up there with a CIS degree, um, and then landed a job at Duck Creek Technologies in Bolivar. Um, so I started there in 2005. Was that like a job fair, or how did you get over there? Um, so I saw their name through a job fair posting at um, Missouri State and just ran through the application process there, got a phone call from them. I think at that point they were only like 65 or 70 people. So pretty small shop. So what was the deal? Were they the only ones dumb enough to hire you? Is that <laughs> how that worked out? Well, um, <clears throat> maybe because I don't really remember going through a lot of different <laughs> interviews when I was that age. Um, I kind of just was ready to get started in the career. Um, you know, I grew up in sports, um, <clears throat> but I knew you know, senior year of high school that it's not like I was going to make a living doing that. Right. So, um, you know, went through some like tryouts and stuff at a couple smaller, like D2 and AIA schools here around town, but, um, for basketball, but just kind of made the decision that that's not where I wanted to focus. I wanted to get my career going and kind of see where that was going to lead. So landed at Duck Creek, um, Obviously worked there through the Accenture acquisition um, in 2012, um, and and I think that's when Duck Creek really started to explode. Right. Um, so they got you know all of that 
you know, name recognition and got into some clients that they maybe wouldn't have gotten into without that. Um, you know, kind of just ran through, through that um, kind of career channel. Um, grew up in the Duck Creek world, was working side by side with the rollers um, in the beginning of things, um, and then just kind of progressed up through there. Um, and then I think, you know, I just hit kind of a point in my career where it was like, do I really want to continue to focus on delivery or are there other things within this duck spray duck space that I want to try to do? Right. And I wasn't ever really like searching for a new opportunity, but you know, the duck market is pretty thin (laughs) as we're continuing to see. Um, So you constantly get people coming out and, you know, asking you about new opportunities, just trying to, you know, headhunt, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Um, so I just kind of took some of those uh, queries and started talking to some people, just kind of feeling the water out a little bit, um, and ended up leaving Duck after 11 years of being there. So what was your trajectory through kind of Duck Creek and in this, you know, in this kind of property and casualty insurance space? I mean, you probably started as yep. an analyst would be my guess. Yeah, exactly. So I came <clears throat> in as a services analyst doing manuscript development. Um <laughs> It's kind of funny to think about how projects are staffed now and how big because of all the Duck Creek components that are out there. So when you say manuscripts, what 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 does that mean? For the person that doesn't know what Duck Creek is, what what's a manuscript in the world of Duck Creek? Right. So a manuscript is the um, XML file that, I guess, houses the configurations that the client wants. So there's different components to Duck as far as um, the UI bed and where the API components live and all that. But the manuscript piece is where like the business logic lives. So your rating algorithms, your UI definition, your forms, documentation, and all of that. So I started out at Duck Creek configuring those. Um, I did that for a couple years, and then they had gotten big enough that they needed a separate division for account management. So as you've learned, I'm so good at talking with people and yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, why not go try to solve account problems, right? The, so, the office of bitch and complain. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I went up there and like, it was fine, but you know, for anybody that's ever done production support it's or hard. account management, it's just, no one calls you unless they're mad. Right. So it was just one of those things where it was like, all I'm doing is fixing problems and this isn't really fun. <laughs> yeah. So it, it definitely takes a, you know, the right personality and the right type of, you know, um, just person to, to really enjoy that type of work. And, and it just wasn't for me. So I, I can't, went, I can't imagine seeing you struggle at customer service. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to professional services and started like leading development teams at that right. point. So more of the tech lead senior developer role. Yep. Yeah. I think it's interesting now. I mean, I think, you know, now that we've built this operation, it's, you know, the manuscript stuff, when we talk about it so much, I think it's our kind of secret sauce to a certain degree. Sure. I mean, it's the, <clears throat> it's the, it's the power of the tool, right? <laughs> yeah. And the, the, you know, alluding to the secret sauce thing that you mentioned is like, that's the one piece of the Duck Creek ecosystem that you can't just like Google how to do it. Right. Right. Like if you need to write something in C sharp, like you Everybody learn, knows, right. you learn C sharp in college or wherever yeah you know, go buy a book <laughs> yeah well it's like 
it's like I want to be a really good carpenter, but at the hammer thing, I really don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. it's like if you don't really don't understand the manuscript stuff, it's really it's yeah. really hard to to be good at it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we I ended up my career at Duck Creek kind of straddling the fence between pre sales and architecture. So, which is an interesting position to be in because you're going out talking about how great the software is and showing these demonstrations. But in the back of your mind, you know that you have to be careful about what you say because you might be on the hook to deliver right. it later. Right. <laughs> so it was actually, you know, I think I learned a lot in that role because it, it got me more interaction with, you know, the real life world. Yeah. Like with the client side of things that being a manuscript developer, I was kind of shielded from. Yep. Yeah, and certainly, you know, I've found in this industry the people that have succeeded and done the best are the ones that obviously, you know, start out having this, you know, thirst for understanding the technology piece of it, but then at some point in time figure out the insurance piece of it as well. And that's the that's the trifecta of right. kind of making it in the industry, the ones that can take both of those things and put them together and go out and be like, hey, I can really solve real world problems that insurance companies actually have every single day. For sure. And yeah. that's the, I think, probably a gratifying piece of <clears throat> what we do here to a certain degree. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's absolutely critical that you're able to have the business conversations with the client so that you understand what they're trying to do and what their needs are and what their problems might be. And then having the foundational knowledge of Duck Creek allows you to use that software to fix those problems or concerns or, you know, gaps. So, so you were at Duck Creek for how long? Just, I was like a month shy of 11 years at Duck Creek. Okay. And, um, you're, so you kind of went through obviously account management roles and then got back into kind of architecture Mm -hmm. roles and things like that. So once you left the account management piece, what did you kind of go off and and do there before you ultimately decided to go do something else? So, um, so when I went back to services, I, I was doing just like senior dev tech lead stuff, like leading the technology track of, of an implementation. So um, I did that for several years. And then as the, Accenture acquisition started happening and just like the company started expanding. There started being a need for like these kind of new technical leadership roles within the organization. So I kind of just, I guess, naturally based off of years of experience and knowledge, I just kind of fell into the architect role. Um, So I was leading the services architect group. Um, They called it application architecture. Um, So basically continuing down the manuscript road. Um, I was kind of the one going in, you know, with my team, they were doing it on different projects. I had my own, we were going in and basically telling the client, Hey, we can solve all your business problems. And this is how we do it with the manuscripts. And then I had peers on the technical architecture side that looked at, you know, integrations and how to design those things. And um, the UI, as far as like the skins components, so the look and feel and those things. So I kind of, it was a, basically a shared responsibility between my team and the tech art team to pull the entire solution together. And then we handed it off to the delivery guys. Cool. So, um, so you decided to leave there for whatever reason, probably for career opportunities and different aspirations. And, um, as I tell everybody, once you get in, it's like the mafia, once you get into this insurance gig, it's tough to get out of the insurance gig. So I know you left there and went to go work for, 
a third party company that's a system integration partner of of Duck Creek. What kind of thought to yourself? I need to kind of go do something different. What what, what spurred that in your mind? I'm sure you were on a pretty good trajectory at Duck Creek. They were growing, I think, probably pretty rapidly. Um, yeah. What 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 spawned you to go? Hey, I got to go try to do something different. Yeah, here. it's interesting because you know, like I said, I wasn't really searching for that like I had a really good gig and you know I had great relationships with everybody I'd worked with I'd spent a decade of my life there right and uh I think it was just one of those kind of I don't know evolutions of your career where you just kind of hit that wall you know you're talking to your you know your management and it's like here are the levels that you can move to but it's going to take x years or whatever and it's just really balancing that with, well, I can take on this new opportunity and it'd be really great or it can crash and burn. Right. <laughs> or I can stay here in kind of my comfort zone and just, you know, walk through the normal paces that I've been doing. And, you know, I chose the prior, um, departed from Duck. It was not an easy decision. I mean, it was a couple well, of At that point in time, of, you were married, probably had a kid, would yep, be my guess. Married uh, with. So this was 2015. So we had one. Yep. yep. So she's almost seven now. Um, yep. Was married. Um, we had Nora in 2013, and then in 2015, I made the decision to to s- switch it up big time. Yeah. Um, so I went to a new company. Everything was new. I didn't know anybody there, um, and I fell into a Duck Creek practice lead position. Yeah. So, so what was that transition like going from, you know, obviously the Duck Creek being the, you know, the software that we implement to basically, and you know, you're not making anything anymore. You're just a services company. Yeah. What, what was that transition like for you just from a day-to-day perspective? It was eye-opening, I guess. I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify it as difficult because I, I do feel like I know a lot about the software, um, but it was definitely eye-opening. So you're, you're now coming at it from a position where, you know, if there's an enhancement that needs to be made to the platform, well, when I was in Bolivar, I got up out of my chair and I walked 10 rows right to the south <laughs> and just talked to the guys that were building the platform. Like, hey, have you guys ever thought about this? Like, how would we make this work if... We're not making a change to the platform. And, you know, now, although I have relationships with those same guys, it's not like I can just, you know, I don't work there. They're not going to let me have a desk there. Right. <laughs> um, so it was interesting. You know, there were, I had to go through the, you know, normal process and channels of working with their support team and, you know, getting things, you know, promoted and pushed through code. And, you know, it's now... I'm in a position where I'm an advocate for the client as much as I am working for an asset, right. you know? So instead when I was at duck, I was like an advocate for the software. If the client's asking for something that's like, it's interesting when somebody else is paying you differently, <laughs> where, how, yeah. where your viewpoints go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, so. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I, I have to kind of, acclimate to this mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting in a software company telling the client that that's not a good use of, of the software. Now I'm sitting on the client side of it going, I want to try to make it happen with the software, but if it's not the best approach, then what is? 
Right. Right. So, so now I'm having to think full circle with other technologies or integrations or how to maybe modify the duct component a little bit differently versus in the past, it was always, you know, very structured as this isn't a best practice. Don't ever do it. Right. Right. Um, so that mindset was different. And then, you know, trying to gain the, you know, respect and, um, you know, figure out how to push my knowledge throughout a new company that most of them didn't know who I was when right. I started. Right. Um, that was probably the most challenging piece um, because they had their own ways of doing things. And now this new guy comes in and, you know, he's pushing for different directions and, you know, you know, just kind of a little, I just had a little different mindset of how the operations needed to happen. Yep. Um, so I was trying to push that without stepping on too many toes of the people that were already there. Sure. So, so you were there um, for what, two, two and a half years? Two and a half, almost three, I okay. think. Yep. So you and I have met a couple of times while you were working there. I think once maybe at an industry event yep. <clears throat> would be my show. guess, a trade yep. show at some point in time. I can't remember actually where it was. And then um, I was working with my previous consulting company doing a, a deal, um, trying to find an SI partner. And you were one of the SIs that we were certainly talking to and, so it's funny, I, I kind of, <clears throat> for those that don't know, Duck Creek does kind of implementations in kind of one of two ways. One of which is you can actually go hire Duck Creek as a services provider and Duck Creek will go implement their software for you based on obviously your uniqueness from an insurance company perspective, or you can go out and get a system integration partner. And there's, right. a, there's a handful of those. Um, so I was kind of interviewing the handful of those for a, a customer at the time. And I kind of remember pretty vividly, I was actually in my office in Portland when um, kind of the light bulb went off and I thought to myself, all these SI partners, none of them are from here. Like if you wanted a U.S. based implementation partner, it's a duck Creek or, yep. or nobody. Right. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, I wonder if that could work. <laughs> so I don't know you and I had met a couple of times and seemed to get along pretty well. So I one day picked up the phone and <clears throat> called you with a, a business proposition a little over probably two years ago. Yeah. Two years, three or four months ago. Yeah. And what's crazy about that whole process is that I kind of already had that business model drawn up. Right. In my own mind. And it's like the conversation that we started having was like, has he been like looking on my laptop? Like, has he been seeing these documents that I've put together? Like, <laughs> so the the, the question I've been actually dying to ask you for two years or so now was what ever possessed you to think this is the guy that I'm going to go do. At this point, you had a wife, two kids, a really bad golf habit, <clears throat> and uh, whatever possessed you to think, I think this is the guy. This is the guy that I'm going to team up with and go start this onshore owned operated company and go see what we can do. Um, you know, I think in hindsight, it's probably a pretty vastly exceeded our expectations, yeah. knock on wood, as we sit here. But sure. what, whatever made you think like, you know, this might be the guy to go do this with. So I think it's a mix of a couple different things. So, so part of it was just kind of, you know, a little bit of frustration in where I was um, career wise. I, I think I was trying to, I was trying to create this new model um, and, and it wasn't specifically what we're doing here at NLS but it was, you know, more about client focus, client relationships, um, you know, building that 
component first and doing it with, you know, really, really smart people. Right. So I wanted to, you know, they say the, the best leaders and managers surround themselves with people smarter than them. Right. So <laughs> well, as we've talked uh, for many times, I am the dumbest man in most rooms. So <clears throat> especially inside of our four walls. So, so I, I can't, I can't agree with you more. Yeah. So, so that's what I was trying to do there, but there was just always this. Actually, let me rephrase that dumbest man and or woman in most <laughs> rooms, especially in the side of our four walls. So, so we, you know, I was trying to push this new model and this new idea of how to, you know, really grow. And, and there were just these messages that began to just become kind of pet peeves of mine, like, well, this is how we've always done it. Like, so right. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's right or the best, you know? So I think part of it was a little bit of frustration. And then to be honest, just the fact that, you know, this, I'll say random guy, because, you know, we hadn't worked together in a great detail. Right. You know, we'd met, like you said, we'd met a couple of times, but, you know, a guy reaches out to me kind of out of nowhere and starts talking to me about an idea that I had already been thinking about for nine months, right? So I think when you ask what made me want to do that, it was like, you know, I, I feel like this is one of those career instances where you need to, you know, either take advantage of what appears to be an opportunity sitting in front of you, or you need to just be okay with, what you're currently doing right. and stop complaining and just make it happen through that avenue. And I, you know, obviously we're sitting here now, so yeah. I chose, I chose to take that. And, you know, looking back on it, you know, you said, you know, married with two kids, you know, I think, so this was 2018. So we had been married for six years. I think we had a five year old and a one year old. Yep. And I had a, good job. Like everything was going fine for us. And I think three months before we kicked off NLS, Jody, my wife, Jody had decided to start her own business as a photographer. Right. So we're like, yeah, why not just make 2018 a real crazy fun year, right? The leap so, of faith year. So. Well, at some point in time, um, when we do one of these again down the road, we'll have to invite Jody into one of these segments because I'd love to hear the conversations that went inside, went down inside of your house as you were uh, yeah. deciding to do this. I, I think I told her this at one point in time. <clears throat> I thanked her for letting you do this, go on this crazy journey. So I know yeah. it's, uh, it's always a partnership question when you uh, start to have dialogue around going out and starting your own company with not a lot of potential security <laughs> behind yep. it. So, yeah. And she definitely showed a lot of trust in, you know, my, I at that guess, point, I had, I had never met her at that right. point in time. You yeah. didn't know me from a hole in the wall. Right. So, yeah. So, and she's been, you know, nothing but supportive from yeah. day one. And, you know, it's, you know, a, a lot of husbands say that they, you know, lean on their wives a lot. And that's true. Yep. Like she's been totally supportive and, you know, been right <clears throat> there backing every decision. And, you know, she's, also one of those that challenges. So, you know, she's, are you sure this is right? Are you sure this is what we're wanting to do? Like, you know, we haven't gotten into the conversations yet, but our Puerto Rican adventures, yeah. right? Like yeah. those are, she's like, Puerto Rico, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I think, um, so, you know, some of the, 
discussions that you and I had obviously had was, Hey, listen, there's nobody on shore doing this. Right. So even, you know, even if you, you know, even the companies that do this are in this space that are deemed to be kind of onshore, they're really not, they're all offshore owned entities. Um, so we have this kind of concept of onshore owned and operated. Um, we do need to try to offset some of the cost, um, you know, that offshore companies obviously have the advantage of. So, you know, the idea was pretty simple from my perspective. I had spent some time in Puerto Rico, really enjoyed it there, really liked the people there. And I said, Hey, why don't we do a nearshore operation in Puerto Rico? It gives you, you know, financially some of the benefits of offshore, um, from some of the rate cards that we're able to carry there, but really with none of the headaches, right? There's no, they're a U.S. entity. You can go to and from with a driver's license. They're in the East Coast time zone. Um, I think it was certainly a differentiator for us then, and I think it is now. For sure. Um, you know, obviously, it, it, ironically, we've since, you know, a month or so ago bought um, the TAG company, um, yep. which is based in Honduras. Um, but pretty similarly to Puerto Rico, obviously, it's not a U.S. entity, so there's some, you know, challenges as far as travel goes, but they're in the central time zone, which is obviously the same as, as Springfield. So that obviously the stars kind of aligned there as well to be able to go out and get, you know, a pocket full of really talented duck Creek resources right. that frankly probably don't exist anyplace else on earth. Right. Um, so we're and able to pick up a, you know, a great business part, partner in Juan as well um, that understands yep. this space. So, um, so w- with all that in our pocket, we was it July 18th of 2018. Yep. I think so. Next level solutions was formed. <clears throat> So um, we were lucky enough. I think, you know, we had our kind of first client in hand, which is certainly helpful when you go out and do a startup, right? right. To have a, a paying client. It eases um, a little bit of stress. Yeah, it eases a little bit of stress. And um, I remember, I think we were working remotely for a little bit. And then we can't, our, I'm actually in Springfield now and drove by our first office that we ever had. And calling it an office is probably generous. Yeah. Our first closet that we had. Um, and, uh, I think it would, I think it was supposed to hold like eight people and we had 12 shoved in there for three or four months before we made a move. Yeah. And one of, and I, and one of the people in there was one of our, we have a couple of, um, pretty heavy bodybuilder weightlifting guys who (laughs) takes up the the shoulder space of at least two people. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it was crazy during, I thought it was, you know, during those times. I mean, we, I think one of the things that has contributed to our success to a certain degree, you know, in those early days, just having to scrape and scratch and claw for everything. Like nobody knew us. Everybody thought we were nuts (laughs) for going and doing this. Um, and to a certain degree, I think it's, you know, part of our culture here now, like, you know, you have to dig in for everything. You can't, nothing gets handed to you here. (laughs) So, um, you know, during those early days, you know, in the closet, um, you know, just having to, you know, scrape and claw for everything. And I think, you know, our philosophy from day one, even though it was hard, it was, we can go out and get, if we can go out and get the best talent and there's not a lot of it around, you know, it's a, if we build it, they will come mentality. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, those first, those first months were, were, were a little stressful for sure. So, um, so talk a little bit when you decided to do this with me, I know we philosophically had some, you know, pretty similar ideas around what it was like to run an SI company. I mean, what were some of the things that you wanted to do that you thought were missing, um, you know, in this, in this space? I, so the, I think the first thing that I wanted to kind of change was kind of the way that 
projects were staffed, right? And it's not just about the location of the bodies, which was a key component of our entire business model. Um, but it was more about like not understaffing a project from a skill set perspective, right? And that's that's not just about like, you know, your your tech lead doesn't know how to do it. It's about your tech lead can't just have, you know, 15 college graduates that you just right. sent through a week of training. And I think that, you know, as fast as Duck was growing and, you know, their entire uh, partner ecosystem was trying to keep up, that a lot of times projects were starting to get staff like that. And I was seeing it, you know, firsthand being a, a practice lead. It was like, yeah, it's great. We're landing all this business, but can we really adequately staff this? And, you know, you being in a big corporation like I was in, it was, you know. It's hard to say no. Yeah, leadership doesn't <laughs> right. want to say, no, 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 let's not take their money. Let's wait. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I think that was a big thing for me, like, you know, really pushing to make sure that we weren't, you know, fighting off more than we could handle, I guess, from the beginning. And I think that, you know, some of my relationships in the industry were helping us to, you know, have people reach out. They were starting to ask questions. I mean, you and I were blowing up LinkedIn all the time right. as far as like, hey, check out what we're doing here. Like NLS is formed. We're doing this. We're doing that. And it was just like, you know, kind of opening a door. So all these people start reaching out to me. They're like, hey, what are you doing over there? What's going on? And, you know, it was July we started and a month later we hired two more people. And by the end of the year, we had, what, 20 maybe? Yep. All right. Probably. So in six months, we had 20 people on the payroll. And that's when it really hit me that like, hey, I'm I think we're on to something. Well, <laughs> not just that, but it's like, I'm responsible for paying 20 people. Now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like it was a way different type of stress. Yep. Um, but I think those were some of the, you know, first things that that came up for me was like, I want to focus on, you know, you know, we, we have the phrase do good work plastered all over everything that we ever touch, right? So that was where I wanted to just like run with it from an NLS perspective is, you know, above everything else, make sure that we're doing a good job with what we're doing, whether it's communication, whether it's development, right. testing, you know, whatever the case is from the top down, the expectation is you're always doing yeah. the best. And there's effort there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's putting in that effort to make sure that you're doing that, right? It's, yep. um, you know, right? So I'm a Pats fan, right? No days off. Like it's, <laughs> it's, and it's tiring, right? I mean, it's a lot of work, you yeah. know, you have a lot of, we collectively now have a lot of expectations, um, <clears throat> but it's fun. I mean, oh, it's absolutely, it's wouldn't have done it any other way. No. <laughs> and, you know, we, so we roll through that first six months and we get into kind of the, you know, first full year of existence. And I think the, the um, the industry is starting to recognize us a little bit by that time, yep. and we're starting to you know people are asking questions you know not just about like potentially wanting to work here, but like industry people are asking questions like you know how much experience do you guys really have? Well, that depends on if you're talking about NLS as a company right. or the people that work here. <laughs> yeah, there was some confusion around answers. that, right? Like, oh, you guys are babies. Like, no, it's, we have hundreds of years of experience yeah. inside of these four walls. I mean, you're yeah. not going to go out and find anybody with more experience than us. So, Right, and I think once, once we <clears throat> sold that message, I think that's when things really started 
you know, really broadening for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how, um, your challenges change. I think they changed for us, quite frankly, rather quickly, right? I mean, we were able to assemble a core of really talented Duck Creek people, right? <clears throat> but the industry is so small, that only goes so far, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the challenge goes from, and I want you to talk a little bit about this as well, right? So <clears throat> the challenge goes from, okay, we can stay this size and do really good work, but do we just want to do that, right? So, you know, the challenge is up training, right? I mean, I think one of the things, well, talk about some of the things that you think from a training perspective, we've now invested a lot of money in training so we can now kind of grow our footprint. I think your background of, you know, going from, you know, basically analyst at Duck Creek to kind of running architecture is kind of a story that I think we are trying to do here, right? Absolutely. And and I think that, uh, I would venture to say that, you know, all of the SIs have some level of training that they push through. Um, you know, Duck Creek has their boot camp. Um, and I think a lot of people try to mimic that either by writing their own or, you know, just sending people there or sure. whatever the case is. But what has kind of been eye opening to me over the last call it year, I guess, um, is that with everything that I've ever watched, from an outsider's view, looking in at a training department is it's, I won't say it's easy, but it's, it's fairly elementary to create training to teach somebody like what duck is and like, you know, here's a tool that you need to open to edit a manuscript file right? and how to do that. Right. So creating fields, creating tables like this, the, you know, the basic foundational learning, like, all the SIs have something like that, but that seems to be where it stops. Right. So kind of our new mission from a, not new mission, our mission from a training perspective is how do we take the guys that we're staffing in like the technical leadership roles, the senior devs, the tech leads, the architects, I want to better understand their story. So you started at duck and it took you two years before you were leading a project. It took you five years. It took you nine months. Like, what's the common denominator there that we can replicate so that we can start having those people in, you know, 18 months from college graduate to leading a component of a development project? So we're putting a lot of time and energy into building that piece of training and like, you you have a passion for it too, which is great because yeah. it's like that means that we're not like arguing over where we need to right. focus as a company. Like we're in in alignment with that, and it's just one of those things that I think in order for us to expand, we have to take the guys that are leading projects now, and they need to oversee That's three right. or four other people that can lead projects. Yep. And like the talent pool is getting thinner and thinner, right? Of people that can already do that. So we have to, we have to build advantage of that. Yeah. We have to build it from within. So I think that's going to be a big, you know, um, accelerator for us. And it's something that we're going to continue to build on as we grow as a company, as expanding that training and, you know, making sure that, you know, we're, well, I mean, you're pushing our guys right now to keep a bench going. Right. And that bench is the perfect place for people to shadow and, you know, and, and, 
not to confuse the phrase of shadowing on a project because we're not just having them sit next to the guy that's doing the work. Like we're actually going to give them work to do right? and just, you know, not build a client for it because it's a learning opportunity. Right. Well, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, we are lucky enough to have a lot of people that work in this company that have gone from analyst through tech lead architect in the platform that we work for. So we, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We know we have people that have done it. Let's just imitate it for our own people. Let's look for people yeah. like that yeah. and see if we can get them on the same trajectory, because that's the only way that's going to, you know, thicken that pool of resources that has been thinning for, for a time here, yeah. especially, you know, domestically um, in the U S. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's good that I think you and I, we talk about a lot of things, but I think most things I think we align pretty well. And I think training is, is obviously one of them and something that we've happily invested a yeah. lot of money in to, to make better. So, um, so here we are. So we're two years into this. We now have, you know, a bed of pretty good clients that seem to be fairly happy with the work that we're doing. Obviously we have, you know, our bumps in that work. So what do you think, you know, over the next, you know, one to three years, what are, what do you think are our challenges that we have to kind of look in the eyes and, and conquer? So I think we're, we're going to be hit with, you know, increasing the talent pool, obviously, you know, we've, we've done a, a great job of, you know, following that kind of first thing that I wanted to do as far as appropriately staffing, but the more clients you get, the, you know, thinner that gets and a little bit more difficult that gets if you can't maintain hiring and maintain training. Right. So, you know, we're 150 people deep and if we're going to, you know, take on a couple more clients, we're going to need to be 250 people deep. Right. And that can't just be a hundred more people that, you know, just got their diplomas because <laughs> that's, you know, we need those people, but we also need leaders and, right. you know, we have to start looking for <laughs> promotion opportunities within our own four walls for, you know, okay, this person led the UI work track. Now we're going to ask them to lead the entire policy track. Right. right. So we take those types of things and we give our own people growth opportunities. Um, and we, you know, continue to hopefully find a few <laughs> diamonds in the rough out there. Yeah. And I think, listen, I think we've, from my perspective, I already found some, right. Yeah. <clears throat> some of the, you know, younger minds that we've had come here now that are obviously part of our family. Some of the work that they've been doing in a pretty short period of time is frankly, pretty remarkable, I think. So yeah. um, I think we've been lucky to, you know, even today, you know, pretty early on to, to find some of those people. So, yeah, I think, you know, and I think you're right. I think it's, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times. It's um, one year ago, I sat in front of our entire staff of probably 60 people at the time. I think we've probably doubled that in a year mm-hmm. um, and said, listen, delivery is our number one priority. <clears throat> if we deliver, everything will take care of itself. Um, you know, and to a certain degree it has, I mean, our customers seem to be pretty happy with us. And now it's um, taking those same people from a leadership perspective and saying delivery is still really important, but I also need you to think about the future, mm-hmm. right? We need, I need you to now think, I need you to have, you know, kind of two things in mind now. So what does this place look like, you know, in a couple of years down the road? Cause right. it, Let's face it, when it's all said and done, you and I can't just do it on our own. That just no, doesn't work. No, <laughs> so, no, but, you know, I think we have a lot of people that, um, you know, are and will step up to the challenge. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And so and sometimes, 
there's problems that come up that are easy to fix. And those right. are the kind of the ones that I think you and I want to focus on now. Yeah. Like we're outgrowing our building. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, it's funny that the conversations that you have, you know, that we have two years into this, you know, I moronically signed a four year lease thinking that we were going to be in this space for forever. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, COVID hit, so we have to be a little bit more socially distanced. But even if we didn't have COVID, I think we'd have people sitting on each other's laps now. So, oh, yeah. so the it's funny how the, the the challenges change from scrapping and clawing to, oh boy, now we got we need yeah. a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh it, it's funny when things go well. How um you know when things go poorly, things change, and when things go well, <laughs> challenges change as well. Yeah, so for sure. Uh, but I'd, I'd rather have these challenges than <laughs> than yeah, other if, ones. If finding a new office space is our most difficult decision, we've we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've talked about about this quite a bit. So you know the Duck Creek space from a you know policy billing claims perspective is a great space to be in. You know, we obviously did this because we think they're the best provider of software in our space out there. Um, but I think we also have other opportunities, you know, inside and outside of that. So what do you think some of those opportunities are? I mean, where, you know, where do you think we should be focusing in and in, in investing our money? Yeah. So I think that there's, you know, obviously, you know, duck is our, core component, right? That's what we're, we're building the company around and, and, you know, kind of following the, the trend that they, they themselves has kind of laid out. Um, but, but I do think that in working with some of the clients that we have, we're starting to notice um, additional components that maybe duck hasn't built out yet, or that's an Avenue they're not going to go down. Um, and then, you know, one of our clients just doesn't have a large IT team, so they have to outsource that. Well, if we're already doing one piece of work for you, like let us have that too. Right. So I think you know moving into more of an infrastructure and DevOps component for us is a is a big key. Um, not only does it you know provide us you know um, other avenues of of what we're capable of doing, but it also you know, the way I look at it is we're going to have to hire, you know, really smart DevOps guys and really smart infrastructure guys. And the way that our culture works here, they're not going to be siloed into that. So whatever they know about those components is going to flood over into what we already have going on. So we're going to be sharing knowledge and we're going to be guys learning new things and having more career opportunities. And we're really you know, not just expanding what NLS can do for the industry, but we're also expanding what NLS resources can gain from a knowledge perspective and career opportunities and those things. So I think it's, you know, kind of twofold in that avenue. The other thing that I think a lot of our focus needs to be in is IP. And I think, you know, I hear that phrase, you know, for intellectual property, it's kind of thrown out there as like, yeah, we should build some cool IP, but nothing ever happens. And when it does, it's usually just like, you know, a development accelerator tool. Like how can I build forms faster? Right. Um, but I want us to focus, I want us to think bigger, right? Like you and I have been th throwing that phrase out to our people for the last six months, like think bigger. And like, that's where I want 
you know, our, our people to start thinking about like, what are the clients asking us for that they're having to go to a third party integrator to do, or what's a component that they wish, you know, was easier to make happen. And I want to start taking those ideas and those, you know, you know, possibilities that are coming from us from clients and working with the clients and having solution teams with the clients to say, Hey, you know, we can build something that works with duck. So you don't have a bunch of different platforms in your ecosystem to do exactly what you're wanting to do. And and I think that that's going to be a big next push for us is, is really advancing from a technology perspective. Yep. Yep. I obviously agree with you. I mean, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking with that. I think it's, you know, having focus around it. Right. So yeah. we've, we've done some of this in the past, right. Where we wanted to, you know, take our smart people and try to go do something. And it's like, we're trying to do 15 things, <laughs> right? Like, let's pick yeah. the best of these 15 things and let's maybe go do that. So, yeah. but, and, and that stuff is fun for, you know, us technology people, right. To go kind of build stuff, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, so awesome. So listen, Nathan, your job here is to edit this to make us not look foolish. So um, do you think you're up for the challenge? <laughs> Attaboy. Awesome, man. Well, I, you know, listen, I, um, I thank you for going on this ride. Yeah. It's been uh, a crazy fun journey. So I know it was a, a leap of faith for both of us and certainly for you. So I certainly appreciate you doing it. I appreciate you taking almost an hour out of the, out of our hectic days to do uh podcast numero uno. Yeah. No, so awesome. uh, it'll, uh, we'll, we'll certainly do more of these and I'm sure, you know, every once a year or so we'll sit down and do a state of the union address <laughs> to this and see, uh, see where we're at. So yeah, for sure. Thanks my man. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime.